Welcome to Keeping It Real, a bluffer's guide to Sydney Film Festival. Hi, my name is Felix Hubble, and I'm a programmer with SFF. Looking to step outside of your comfort zone? Family films and horror are two things that rarely get mentioned in the same sentence. However, today, programmers of our horror sidebar, Freak Me Out, Richard Kuypers, and our family sidebar, Catherine Roger, got together to share their tips about their respective programs. Hi, I'm Richard Kuypers. I program the Freak Me Out section at the Sydney Film Festival. And I'm here with Catherine Rogers, who looks after the family film section at Sydney Film Festival. Now, our films are really opposite ends of the spectrum in many ways. But today, I really want to find out more about what Catherine's got in her program. And I'm hoping to entice her to come and see some of the films that I've got. So, um, Catherine, it's great to have you here today. And I'm really looking forward to our chat. Thanks, Richard. Well, I have to admit that I'm a bit of a wuss. So the Freak Me Out program scares <laughs> me a little bit. So you might need to kind of give me some tips on if I'm a bit of a wuss and I don't want to be lying awake for three days after watching a film, what's in one that can ease me in somewhat gently to well, the program? First of all, I really appreciate your honesty because, you know, horror films aren't for everyone. And when I program <laughs> Freak Me Out, I mean, I understand that not everyone's like me and just loves horror through and through. But what I've always tried to do with Freak Me Out is present a program that's sort of it's great if you if you love if you want really strong solid horror movies, but also I don't want people who just love horror movies to come and see Freak Me Out. So I always put things in there that are oh they're certainly on the edge and you know, on the sort of more extreme side of storytelling, but they're not all blood and guts and horror and, and that sort of thing. So I reckon the film I've got for you first up is a film called The Beta Test, and this is a film that I I put in the sort of the social horror category. And um, it's about a Hollywood agent played by Jim Cummings. Now, people know Jim Cummings from this amazing film he made a few years ago called Thunder Road. And I think if you like Entourage, you might like this film because it's set in that world of Hollywood agents and everyone's a hot shot and everyone's making deals and everyone's slick and got cars. And this guy is one of those guys. He's a real shark. And then one day he gets a letter. It's in a purple envelope. And it's an invitation to a no-strings-attached moment of your life, incredible sexual encounter. And, of course, being the kind of guy he is, he can't resist and he goes along. Now, what happens from there, I'm not going to tell you. But this is a film that's beautifully made. It's slick. And... No spoilers, Richard. No spoilers. <laughs> no, that's right. That's I, I think that's true. I mean... I always have a rule. You can talk about things in a film up to about the 15 or 20-minute mark in the film, and after that, I think, no, you've got to have a very good excuse to, to go any further. But I think you really might like the beta test because it's um, yeah. it says something about the world that we live in today. It's about morality. It's about social media, Me Too, lots and lots of things in it, and it follows this guy as he spirals down this rabbit hole that he's or this hole that he's got himself into. So I think that might be that might be one for you. Okay, so it's a bit more psychological thriller than blood Definitely. and guts. I've got plenty of blood and guts, which I'll tell you about a bit later, but, but psychologically, <laughs> okay. but for, uh, yes, a really involving psychological drama, I think the beta test is something special. It made a real splash at Berlin this year and it's played around a lot of festivals. I think a lot of people will like that. I think it's... Um, something I think that if you're not uh, drawn, as as you say, 
to sort of straight horror. This is a horror of a, diff- of a different kind. Yeah. Is it a bit like Promising Young Woman in the sense of having those kind of, you know, psychological, there's some horror elements, but it's clever and it's about, you know, it's talking about our society? It is. You've nailed it. If you, I saw Promising Young Woman, which I think was a fantastic film, and I think if you like a film like that, uh, then the beta test could be for you because it's about human relationships and behaviour and uh, sexual relationships, gender relationships. So it's got, a, it's got a lot of substance to it. But at the same time, it's got this sort of crazy spiralling um, psycho horror element to it, but not demons and blood and guts. It's more you know, psychological horror. So I think, I think it's a really strong film in that regard. Great. Okay, that's a yeah. good hot tip. Thank you. <laughs> now I'm just looking at your program, and I'm and I'm noticing um, mm. that you've got lots of animations in there. I've just seen the pictures. I don't really know mm. too much about them, but I'm I do like an animation, and I've got some young relatives mm. that I think are going to want to come to the film festival, nieces and nephews, that sort of thing. So what what's a good pick in your program for kids? They're between about six and eleven years old. Yeah, right. So there are a couple of options because we like to have options for for people. Um, So in terms of the animation, if they want something that's a bit sort of action, adventure, things like that, then Felix and the Hidden Treasure is a really good pick. That's um, everything you could want from an action animation. Um, A young boy who uh, goes off to find his missing father on a boat with a sort of old kind of crotchety sea captain and a parrot who can talk and a cat who thinks he's a dog in tow. And so that's um, a really fun and um, very entertaining one um, that I think kids would really like. I think with all of the animations, though, in the festival, they have a bit of that kind of uh, bluey uh, thing about them where they have something for the adults there's kind of lots of nods to the adults, but then they've got like lots of fun and colour and silliness for the kids as well. So I think all any any of the three animations would be amazing. But I think Felix is a is a top pick, and also the Ape Star is fabulous as well. I love the, I love the title Sweden, of that. But <laughs> it is, Tell me more about the Ape Star. Well, it's it's from Sweden originally, but it's dubbed into English, so there's no problem with subtitles young kids will be able to watch it really easily and it's a really sweet story about an ape who adopts a little girl and the authorities kind of try and separate them because they think oh how can how can an ape adopt a little girl but they actually make a really sweet family and it's based on a really popular children's book that was a big hit in um, Sweden so that one's a really lovely one and very life-affirming and delightful. So that one is very joyful to watch as and well. And a young female protagonist too because when you said yes. that, it reminded me of um, uh, all the animations I watched with my daughter. Um, I took her to see lots of animes on the on the big screen and I'm thinking especially of those Studio Ghibli mm. films uh, where like Kiki's mm-hmm. Delivery Service and Spirited Away where the leading character is a, a clever young girl who's got to figure things out and they really made such a huge impression with her. Right. And um, you know, they inspire, they inspire kids, don't they? And and that's one of the tricks of animation films, all children's films, but particularly animations. As you mentioned before, if they they operate on a dual level where they're they're entertaining and fun and, and give the kids something really special, 
but it's got to be something that the grown-ups can sit through. And the films I always remember the best are the ones that I felt uh, I could not necessarily relate to, but I just enjoy as an adult because there was that that sort of extra layer on there that, that didn't interfere with the kids enjoying them but gave you something as a parent. Because as we know, you've got to be able to sit through the films and enjoy it yourself with the kids. And if you've got stuff like that, then... Um, then you're doing well. That's right. I mean, that's one of the criteria, kind of how I chose them really was I was like, do I also really love this and enjoy it? And obviously, you know, you want kids to also think it's great, but, you, you know, you want to be able to say, yes, this is a really fabulous film for everyone. And so, you know, you can take a three-year-old, you can take your 98-year-old grandma yeah. and everyone <laughs> will enjoy it, you know, so that's that's the main thing. Yeah. One other thing about the female protagonist, though, is that the live-action film, The Fantastic Adventures of Margot and Marguerite, that is two female protagonists and two girls of age 12, and it's basically the same actress, two uh, girls who look the same and have very similar names and one lives in 2020 and one lives in 1944 occupied France and there's a chest in an attic and they they swap time zones so they get transported to each other's times and then go on sort of a big adventure and you know and I won't tell you what I was about to tell you the end but we know that we're not allowed to do that so I won't tell you the end but that's really fabulous as well and that has you know, two really uh, strong and capable female protagonists. So if you did want one where you wanted to, you know, uh, especially take a young girl to the festival and give her something with really strong, interesting female protagonists, that's a great one to go to. And it's a time travel film as well, which I absolutely, mm. I'm, okay, I'm there. Yep. I'm there for that one. I, I, great. I will see you there, there, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get there afterwards. Or before before my evening yes. sessions come in. <laughs> um, now, look, speaking of animation, as we know, most animations and cartoons are for kids, but there is, there is adult animation. And I've got the first ever animation I've selected for Freak Me Out in the, in the more than 10 years I've been programming this section. And it's an, it's an amazing film called The Spine of Night. It took seven years for the filmmakers to put together, meticulously, painstakingly, hand-drawn by the process called rotoscoping where you draw over live action and it made a uh, it was a big hit at South by Southwest and it's an amazing fantasy film Um, I think if you like the Game of Thrones and that that realm of of storytelling uh, the spine of night really appeals on that level but this is no children's animation you can't bring children to this because it's um, it's the most visceral, (laughs) uh, gory, violent, but in a kind of beautiful way because it is animated and it's so magnificently rendered, animation that I've seen in in a long, long time. And, again, it's got a female protagonist. It's about a a female warrior who's searching for... She's searching for something called the bloom, and whoever controls the bloom controls human destiny. And Mm. it's a sweeping story that goes across time and centuries and landscapes and various people who think they own wow. this thing or have it and then they lose it. And it's it really is quite remarkable. I haven't seen a film like this for a long time. There was a short there was a short spate of this kind of adult animation in the 70s and 80s. Filmmakers like Ralph Bakshi made uh, films like Wizards and there was even a version of Lord of the Rings, another one called Heavy Metal. 
So for animation fans, a lot of them have been hanging out for something like this, and it was really thrilling to see it, it being produced. And it's got a terrific voice cast in it. It's got Lucy Lawless, Xena uh, herself, and Richard E. Grant, who, oh, wow. okay. who brings something to every single film, and it's just great human mm. voice in this film. He's a, he's plays this old geezer called the Guardian, who's sort of the the, the, the wise old storyteller. But also, yeah, I was just thinking great. of another one I've got that you might like, and it's an eco horror. Again, it's not all blood and guts. It's it's a more mysterious, entrancing film, and it's another first for me. It's called Gaia. It's the first South African film I've ever programmed. And it's set in the uh, Sitsikama National Park in South Africa. Really, really beautiful. And it's about a park ranger who is on a uh, sort of regular patrol. And then she meets a man and the man's son who have left civilization behind and have been living in this forest for a long time. And very strange and very hypnotic and surreal things start happening from there. It's really elegantly made and has a lot to think about in the film. It's about the world that we walk upon, Mm. our relationship with the forests, the animals, the air that we breathe. So that's one I think that... um, is a, is a good film for non-traditional uh, wow. horror fans. Yes, and very topical. Yeah, it's really topical, um, as we know. <laughs> as we know, these matters are becoming more and more urgent. And I'll, one thing I like about this film is that those messages there, but it's not uh, standing on a soapbox and yelling these things at you. It's just it's organically in the film, and it doesn't. Uh, stymie the story or it doesn't overwhelm the story it's not a message film a heavy message film but it certainly forms the the foundation of the film in many ways and it becomes a very fascinating character study about people in this very strange environment and i do mean very strange environment there are sites in this i haven't really seen before and that's one of the things i also look out for as well what imagination is is being used in films and, and scenarios and images and ideas that are that are fresh, and uh, you know, Gaia's Gaia's got that. So I'd I'd encourage you to come along to uh, to my first South Great. African. Great, you've it's really good. You've persuaded me. You've made me a bit less uh, freaked out about freak me out. So well done, Richard. That's that's good. I'm I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> oh, it's good because I think we'll both. You know, we'll both be able to go to each other's programs because you'll be you'll be mostly in the mornings and afternoons, and <laughs> I'm definitely in the late night category. Yes, exactly. Just if you can get up for the slightly early starts of the kids' program, because we do have a couple of 10 a.m. starts, so that's the trick. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll pick them out and I'll make sure I'm up fresh and ready to go in those mornings and won't have any late nights at my at my hangout bar that I go to. That's one of my okay. little sort of festival things I do. Very good just as a little sort of getaway from the hubbub because um, I've met some really fantastic people through programming Freak Me Out. So we often go and have a drink or two at the end of, at the, end of the night and just uh, talk about what we've seen before we gear up and do it all again the next day. Oh, but there's so many films that we've got to see and apart from what we present and what we're showing, um, I try and get to as many films as I can during the fest and, and and mm. get through it. And there are some days where you just cannot believe how many films that you've actually made it through. And I'm wondering, 
you're what's your record? How many, how many have you seen in one day? Uh, look, my record, which I don't know that I'll ever surpass, is a long time ago when I was much younger than this, I went to a film festival and I saw six films a day for six days in a row. So that was 36 wow. films in six days. And that's when they had like, things like dinner breaks and lunch breaks and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> so, but, yeah, look, there are, there are days at, at Sydney where it can be, you know, four or five or six film day um, and you've got to somehow get get through it and I'm just wondering if you you probably do the same as me and try and pack in as many as you can I want to do you have any like hmm. tips survival techniques yeah. stuff that you do to sort of get you through those long long days yeah well one thing I was going to say for the kids program if you're bringing really little ones I would suggest maybe bringing a a cushion or something for them to sit on just in case because there's no guarantee that the cinema would have that just if you're if you're worried about them not being able to see properly and also bring snacks because everyone uh, loves to have snacks in a family film at the festival oh, um, you're talking <laughs> it's all coming back to me now the number of films I didn't see the end of because my daughter just couldn't quite make it through to the end, you know, when yes, she's four yeah. or five years old. So anything you can do to keep them there, That's keep right. them happy and comfortable, good idea. Absolutely. Well, I've got the I've got sort of the opposite location scenario as you. I'm I'm in George Street and I'm down uh, at Dendy Newtown, which are terrific. Mm, if you want to yeah. get to Dendy Newtown, actually public transport is the best because you're going the opposite way. And I'm always doing that. Uh, I find it sometimes it's even quicker than getting a, getting a taxi, and you can get really quickly from from the city out to Newtown by a bus or by a train. And again, if you're yeah, if you're coming to my films, then uh, we do end a bit late, and sometimes uh, that might impact how you you know get up in the morning. So I probably recommend to people that they. Um, Know, have a couple of cups of coffee, or you know, fortify themselves for mm-hmm. you know, for, for more of a late yeah. night a late night thing. Well, I I actually have another tip then for that. If you're at the state theatre for an early session, you know, a nine thirty or a ten o'clock, and you want to buy a coffee, it's worth checking up the it to see if they're selling at the bar upstairs because sometimes downstairs there can be quite a big queue. So it's always worth having a little look at the other, at the one in the dress circle. Oh, good tips, Catherine. I'm going to remember all of those. Okay, I've got one final quick challenge for you, and that is Wormwood Apocalypse. Now, this is Aussie zombie, gory uh, mayhem. Are you brave enough to come and see that? I'll try, Richard. I'll try. <laughs> yes, okay. All right, I will. <laughs> I'll be there. Fantastic, Catherine. I'm going to hold you to that, and I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of your films at the festival as well. So, look, it's been really fun chatting to you, and um, bring it on. I cannot wait for this thing to start. Great. Me too. It'll be great to be back at the festival again. In our next episode, festival programmer Melba Proestos puts our newest programmers on the spot about their favourite films in SFF. You've been listening to Keeping It Real with Sydney Film Festival. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about any of our films or buy tickets, head to sff.org.au and I'll see you at the movies.